Boys and girls, moms and dads, welcome back to Pin to Pin the Volleyball Podcast. My name is Ryan Tolman. I'm your show host. To my right, I got two guys to my right, as you can see if you're watching us on YouTube. If you're not and you're listening to us on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google, I will describe to you who I have with me today. Uh, as usual, we've got my co-host, Danger Will Robinson. That's me. And then our, yeah, thank you for that. And then they can identify your voice. That's good. And then we've got behind the screen over there, uh, our producer, Noah Cotterman. And then we are super excited today to have a guest with us. We have Javi Miller Estrada joining us today um, to talk about uh, how to get in better shape. And he's sitting in between Will and Ryan. And they're probably, people are probably thinking maybe he should help Will and Ryan get in better shape. Um, <laughs> but he's definitely good at, at helping our athletes at that. So, uh, Javi is the co-owner of Ignite Performance in Chandler, Arizona, and he's the host of the Athlete Blueprint Podcast. Athlete Blueprint Podcast. That's a good one. That is a good one. Thank you. Yeah. Um, we'll definitely get into all of that today, but let's go ahead and get this show rolling. There we go. Executed to perfection. Yeah, that was, that was a first time run at that, and Javi was all over it. Yes, wow. thank you. Way better magical. Than, way better than our previous guests. <laughs> oh, ouch. Except for, I don't even remember Evan and Chris's, but Andrew screwed it up. Yep. We'll call Andrew out. Yamashiro, you got to get better at your high fives. Come on, Andrew. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Um, <clears throat> all right, so let's uh, let's give let's let's introduce Javi so people get a good idea of of his background. We'll get into Noah's trivia of the week, and then uh, and then we'll go from there. So, um, like I said co-owner of ignite performance host of the athlete blueprint podcast uh tell us where you're from just give us kind of a background you know the kind of stuff that you do on a daily basis well first off thank you guys for having me it's an honor to be in the uh where the magic happens the recording room um <laughs> the, but the craft room at the tolman house yeah, it's great <laughs> it is um but i'm a native arizonan uh, yes, grew up, not many of us yeah not many of Dude, us we're we awesome. all are it's crazy every single person in this room that's not wow. that's that, not common that that's happen. a rarity uh, grew up in Arizona. Uh, went to McClintock High School. McClintock, okay. The Chargers. The Chargers, correct. Yep. Once a Charger, always a Charger. They say. Um, was Dan Serrano the principal there was. when you were there? Okay. He was. I saw him. Um, full circle. Full yes, circle. Yeah, I saw him at a Perry volleyball game. Well, yeah, he was the Perry uh, principal. Just just retired a year ago, so I got to know Dan yeah. pretty well. Look at that. And Mr. Hazel, is, is he still there? Do you no, know Bill uh, Hazel? Uh. Uh-uh. No, he was a, a math uh teacher of mine okay he was, he was i almost cool. worked at uh, at mcclintock no mr school. rothry sorry mr oh, rothry. rothry yes he's at Perry. Yes. yeah was he mcclintock guy and then he yeah, switched he over was. Perry. yeah mr rothry's great everybody loves him over there at perry high school and then for another degree of separation uh coach Dwayne, i used to do shooting camps with his dad okay sammy Dwayne senior oh, yeah. for some context so yeah uh, well and so, so sam Dwayne is a legends. legend from corona son sammy Dwayne. Another legend. He's at Perry. From Corona. Corona. And then at Perry, just won the state championship for basketball there. I played against Sam Dwayne Sr. when he was coaching at Corona and I was at Westwood oh. back in the day. So if you stay in Arizona long, long enough, enough you know everyone. Yeah, all these names start to make sense. You know who, what's going on. Yeah. So, all right. So McClintock Charger. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. What else? So after high school, you know, just kind of walk us through kind of your journey. Yeah. So I went to GCU initially and wanted to major in athletic training. Um, but then I, you know, went through some of the curriculum and, 
Um, I had also went there with the intention to play basketball. And that was when GCU, people may not know this, now it's this big, massive program, but it yeah. was in AIA, right? in AIA, yeah. and they were just transitioning to D2, and then now they're D1, this massive you know, yeah. uh, school. Jerry Colangelo's got yeah. something to do with yeah. that, Yeah, right? and the online, you know, they took kind of the University of Phoenix yeah. model. And then I went there, and that didn't end up really working out. So I went to ASU, majored in kinesiology, which, you know, most people don't know what the hell kinesiology is. <laughs> um, but it, it's a great undergrad, but then it doesn't necessarily lead you directly to a lot of things. There's like okay. a post education that's necessary so i had a lot of people go and do you know at, at that point i thought maybe i wanted to do pa school okay i thought maybe you wanted to do physical therapy so i spent a lot of time um, in physical therapy clinics i spent time volunteering in, in the er so i was around a lot oh, wow. of people yeah you've seen everything i've seen a lot and um you know my dad was a social worker my mom um was a teacher so i knew i wanted to do something with people and yeah. i knew i liked you know the human body and, and understanding that more and then after that, I worked in physical therapy clinics, you know, taking people through exercises. And then at some point, I knew it was time to, you know, level up. Just I wasn't, you know, content with, with where I was at. And so then I got my CSCS. So that's Certified okay. Strength and Conditioning Specialist. That's the one where, you know, you need to have a college uh, degree, get a transcript. It's the only one where you actually need to provide proof of education. Um, that's and so the, That's the real one, right? Is that what Red has? Some of, uh, I don't think so. Okay. Some of these trainers walking around here with <laughs> fake... So, so there's NASM, NASM uh, National yes. Academy of Sports Medicine, and that's a good one as well. Um, they have uh, the PES, which is like a performance exercise specialist or something like that. But in my opinion, if you want to work at a high level with athletes, like whether it's college or pro, if that's your intention, or if you just want to get a leg up, then the CSCS is the way to go. But you know, just like anything, it's like it gives you a base, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're a good coach. Like right. I've I had a position, you know, kind of fast forwarding after I took my CSCS, I worked at um, a gym and it was like general fitness, but some athletes. And so I did some of the interviewing and the internship programs and you would have people come in who had all these, you know, degrees or certifications on paper. And then they sucked when it come to when it came yeah, to people, right? Uh, and and I think that's I've I've worked with many teachers that are that way, right? Like, yeah. This paper says I can teach, but I'm not very good at it. Right? These are yeah. kids. Yeah, <laughs> they're different. Yeah, these aren't papers. These aren't yeah. numbers to look at. So, right. uh, you know, you get a lot of people like that. And so after I worked there, I then um, you know I wanted to started branching out on my own. So I started um, blogging. So I did a lot of just general fitness blogs, whether okay. it's about like motivation. Um, you know, exercise, just, you know, yeah. nutrition, stuff like that. Started doing that, which is kind of my first like foray into like putting out content, which as you guys know is it's a different animal, right? You put it's out easier said than done. Yeah. Once yeah. you we're, start, it's like we're wow. so we're so good at this. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's like it's like you put out a blog post, you spent four or five hours doing it. Yeah. And the first one, everybody's super excited. Oh yeah, man, I'm gonna read your stuff. I'm, right. gonna, I'm gonna subscribe or whatever. And then you put out the next one, you see like 20 people read it. Yeah, hey, so don't stop listening to us yeah, is what we, I'll be yeah, saying. Yeah, no, peaks and valleys. <laughs> yeah. we, we have the data for that too. Yeah, yeah we see it. <laughs> yeah, support support these guys, you know, um, show up. <laughs> well, it's you have a passion for something, right? And I mean, you're not going to blog or podcast or whatever if you don't believe in it or some, something that you really are passionate about. And so that's the hard part is you want to share your passion with people. And you want people to hear what you have to say. I mean, I feel like I'm a really smart guy and people should listen to me, but getting them to actually do it's a whole other story, right? <laughs> I, I agree. I yeah. agree uh, on both accounts. But it's it's one of those, you have to do it for, like we said earlier, uh, you know, before we started, you have to do it for yourself and do it because it is something that is a calling. Um, and I feel like 
when it comes to coaching, you know, those guys weed themselves out. You know, the coaches who can't do it. Can't do it. Yep. You know, you had like everybody and their barber and their mother and their dad and uncle was a coach during the, the pandemic, right? Because you had everybody going to the park. But then now you see kind of the market contracting a little bit where people aren't doing it because it's hard. Right. It's not easy to show up every day and you're starting a business and you have one client, two yeah. clients, and you still have to give them the best experience ever. Right. So, um, but yeah, so after, after that, then, I, and then I started, um, I left and went um, to a facility that was like a shared working space. So I started training people. And then right before I left there, I'd gotten more into training volleyball players. Okay. And, you know, I... So what year was that? Oh, it's 2016, 17, maybe. Okay. I, it may be off, but I, I trained athletes, but then that's when I started to getting more into volleyball. So that would have been one of your first times in our gym, too. Probably, because, yeah. Because like, uh, you would help Yamashiro's team, and, right? And Brian Wagner, right? That 17s yeah. team. Yeah, Johnny, yeah. Johnny, Johnny Bowles. Bowles yeah. Guys, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, so the Johnny was uh, obviously you know he was a, a really great athlete and just a great kid you yeah. know and so he I think as much as I helped him you know the truth is he helped me just with um, being able to kind of get my foot in the door and then I started doing more like team stuff with Wagner and Yamashiro and then from that point on kind of going back to working um, I think I was still at Atlas was the name of the place where I was sharing space I, I had worked with Rob for a number of years and then I met Preston okay um, and then you know kind of going back again but when i was leaving the job prior to atlas i just was trying to look for a place that had what i wanted mm -hmm. you know and in the back of my mind i realized that it didn't exist yeah, yeah. It didn't i have e to do it yeah. yeah and so and then you know i knew that in the back of my mind that this is something that i that i need to do like the market is there i want to do it and then you know fast forwarding back at atlas um at some point i had had to turn people down and then that's when i knew it was like okay this that's is awesome no longer the facility that is going to meet my needs and what you know i want to do so fast forward um we started ignite in october 2018 and we're still here we're going to be going through our fourth year it's in awesome. october yeah survive the pandemic and, and where, where is that located it's on arizona avenue and warner um so yeah between if it's on warner between um arizona avenue and mcqueen okay so kind of serving that Chandler area. We also get some Tempe athletes. You get some Mesa athletes too, We get right? some Mesa yeah. athletes, correct. And then we also get uh, some Gilbert as well okay. in Queen Creek, which is a little far, but they still come over. It's awesome. So then our, our connection with Javi is about a year ago, we, we started a conversation about... Literally. Yeah. At, I was at Boys Nationals. Yeah, it was almost... Uh, we were in... Where was that? I remember being Kansas in the City. hotel lobby for like 30 minutes talking to him. Kansas City, yeah. We So just, you know, just decided that at Aspire, we needed more for our athletes, and uh, training was a big, big, big component to that. Getting, getting stronger and jumping higher and hitting harder and all that stuff that you look for. So that, so Javi and and Rob and the, and the guys at Ignite um, come into our gym at Aspire every day and train our athletes. And it's a, it's a for me anyway. And I don't know about anybody else, but I don't care about anybody else. For me, it's a match made in heaven. Uh, love having these guys in our gym and love that Javi's here with us today. So um, going to be a good show. Hopefully, we get. Spit some good knowledge. All right, Noah, you ready? I know it's it's a little later in their show usually than you're you're sitting over there falling asleep. It's like guys, get to the trivia. It's my favorite part. It's okay. Oh, okay. oh there it is. Boom. I don't know what you were waiting for. Are you waiting for the looking? I don't know. I wasn't waiting for anything. I oh, guess. You, okay. It just happened. It was no, weird. Yeah. I apologize great, for that. That's such a great jingle. It is a jingle. It so it's Noah's little, jingle. Brings you up. <laughs> All right, Noah. Uh, last episode's question. What do, you, what do you got? Last episode's question. Um, who had the most kills in a single season in Division One and Two 
men's vo- college volleyball in the 25 point rally scoring era and none of us got it i don't i, I don't even know who this person is and that's crazy fairly rare okay. i feel like so say um, his name his name is jonas umloft okay he's german so say it like a german jonas umloft <laughs> <laughs> it's a soft j i want to yeah, jonas, jonas, jonas umloft um but he had 511 kills in the 2011 season that when seems he like a lot for hawaii seems yeah. like a lot so yeah. he was a he was a rainbow yeah back in the day that's awesome <clears throat> all right so congratulations jonas umloft for your excellent season in 2011. Maybe somebody will break it someday. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, all right. You got a question for us this episode? This episode's question is, who is the men's pair all-time leader for wins in beach volleyball on the FIVB and AVP tour? So it's a combination. It's just career, basically, right? So this is a good question, Will. What do you think? Men's volleyball pair. This is hard because you got to get both of them. I know nothing about beach. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have Don't very me. limited knowledge. It, Todd Rogers, Phil Dahlhauser. That won a seems lot, like a good one. But I'm guessing it's a Brazilian pair. Karch Karai won a lot. Yep. Um, who was Karch's partner? He had a couple. His main one was... Yeah, maybe uh, that's the Ken problem. Ken Steffes. Ken Steffes. He was played with Randy Stoklos, too, though, I'm pretty sure. split enough that he didn't... It's good that this isn't a women's question, because if it was it's a women's easy. question, then everybody gets it right. Yep. So, shout out to Carrie Walsh and Misty May. You know my, my Roomba is named Carrie? Because of Carrie. Right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. We've Fun got uh, We have yeah. Phil, Carrie, and Karch in our house. Oh, jeez. Yep. <laughs> and Do we're not into beach volleyball. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, it felt right. Well, I'm glad it felt right for you. Uh, all right. So last uh, last episode, well, two episodes ago, actually, right, Noah? Uh, uh, yes. We're into comments episode now. Eight. So, epi- so this, we're filming episode t- 11. Yes. yes. Oh, wow. All right. We're episode nine went out earlier today. Episode yeah. nine's out. Yeah. So no, 10. 10's no, coming out. Nine. Ten nine co- went out earlier We're today. We're filming 11. 10's coming out later. We still have producing 10. This is great. Yeah. Everybody's confused now. On yeah, we just confused a lot of We just confused everybody. So, but on episode eight, we had a great comment. Why don't you read that for us, Noah? And uh, and we can uh, we can get some insight. And I think Javi's going to have some good insight on this one, too. Yeah, definitely. There's um, a, it's a long one. It is. So the comment was from Jennifer Lauer. And, and who's Jennifer Lauer? Um, so I had coached Jen at Park, um, which was my first stop uh, right out of college for two years. Um, and she also played at Aspire her senior year. What position does Jen play? She's a setter. Okay. So The setters always asking good questions. Yep. Thinkers. So the question is, I'd love to hear your guys' topic, take on the topic of losing. We hear a lot Will? about winning and what it makes to... what it takes to make a team successful but not a lot of talk about the effects of losing i think nowadays athletes have a mindset that losing is the worst outcome it's been proven that losing has many f- effects emotionally and physically we act in ways to prevent losing as much as possible since that's our overall goal as competitors we all know that we can't win them all but when we lose it may feel as if the world is coming to an end do you guys think wins define a great athlete what comes Ooh, I like from this. losing that you can't get from winning are there any losses that made you a better coach or player how do you mentally fix yourself from a loss and is it okay to be a sore loser slash emotional player from a coach's standpoint? what was the first thing let's okay yeah this, this, is, story, this, is, this is what i'm going to say right now okay and this is completely spontaneous for those of you who are wondering how prepared we are i'd like us to just touch on this briefly because we want to get to javi's stuff and then i think we need to dedicate an entire episode to this yeah she had some great questions in i there. liked it all no. And and I'm not going to be great at this because I never lose. Yes, you do. So, <laughs> so, 
So what? No, it's looking at me funny. All right. So <clears throat> yes. Um, Will initial thoughts on that? Well, what was the first thing? Let's stay as organized Let's as we see. can. Um, first it is, question. Does it matter? It, it like is it was like once a loser, always a loser. That was basically. Do what you guys she asked. think wins define a great athlete? Is the Absolutely first question not. that I can see. Absolutely not. Because an athlete, especially what most athletes, are going to be recognized at the pro level. You can't control where you're drafted to. So if you're drafted into a, a bad organization, bad coaches, bad admin, bad GM, whatever it is, it's going to be very hard to grow there. Define professional so athletes. A, professional athletes are 100 percent defined by wins and losses. Yes, but but you can still be a winner and lose because you played. Not. You played for the Detroit Lions. Matt Stafford and Calvin Johnson are loser, two of the best players of loser, loser until he went to the Rams. But he is still the winning defined is inside by of losing. him. But he's the winner is inside of him. Uh, he was just put see, into this a, gonna, this is going to be a put into a situation okay. to where I think he was. Yeah, I put I, the best player in Arizona at Dobson. They're going to lose. I I totally disagree with what you're saying, Javi. What do you think? Initial thoughts on losing and how that how that kind of changes athletes. I think at the professional level is it's unfortunately or fortunately it's it's pretty binary. It's like you know you have to lose. I'm sorry, sorry, winning is the end end game, right? I think though. It scales depending on what level level you're at. And I do feel like athletes do need to get their butt kicked from time to time. In fact, I think as a coach, it's our job to expose them to losing. And, you know, I had a, um, I had a guest one time who was a volleyball coach. He's a D1 volleyball coach. And we talked about the term anti-fragility. And it's basically when, at, when stuff doesn't go Casey. your way. Casey. Of course. Casey Kreider. Yeah. Um, when stuff doesn't go your way, how do you react? And he talked about how he had this athlete and basically he did her no favor. She went overseas to play. She had an amazing career. And then when she found an ecosystem that wasn't perfect, she basically crumbled. So my thought on losing is obviously that shouldn't be an objective. But I think for, for us, we need to expose our athletes to that adversity yeah. and a little bit of like a small slice, like inoculate them, if you will. Sure. So that way, I mean, you've seen it, right? I, I've been at volleyball matches where stuff goes well and then you just see the downward spiral, the crumble. You can literally seen. I have seen some of the craziest games yeah. in Mesquite High School. Final, in that gym. In, the, in yeah, that yeah, gym. Yeah. No, in I've, the I've participated was, in yeah. many of those. Yeah, there was a game where they were sweeping them. Yeah. And then they lost. Okay, so we're not going to make. Well, you we're said not gonna you, make never you never lost. I don't lose. So you got to We're exposing you. Even this is when good. we lose, I still win because I teach my athletes how to handle that. Well, stuff, there was right? like one one one, uh, one match that you were coaching it. It was in the summer at uh, Spiral. Not summer. It was at Spiral recently, okay. right? And you could see, you know, you pulled the girls aside and you kind of gave them the business a little bit. You could just see them crumbling. It was yeah. very, very I know visible. which one you're talking about. Yeah. AZNQ. And we, yeah, it was tough. Yeah. And that was where, you know, that they came back completely different that next match. And right. so that loss, I don't know if it ended up helping in the long term, but I think they needed that to happen. Yeah. This team that I've coached, this this girls team has, has had some growing pains, right? We moved up a level, went into the open in Arizona and and got our butts kicked. And it was, for some of them, it was very, very hard. For mostly, it was hard for the parents. That's right? the thing. But the, but they learned. So, yeah, losing. I would love to make losing our next topic on our next episode. So, we will dive deeper into that comment. Thank from you so Jen. much, Jen. Yeah, I actually saw her comment. at Legacy the other day. She's yeah. awesome. Okay, so that's great. All right, let's get, let's get into the meat of our show here then. Um, 
with the the biggest reason why we brought Javi here. Although Javi's just he's fit in seamlessly. Maybe we just make this a three person show from now on. It's been, <laughs> it's been good so far. All right. So uh, our quote of the show, Will. Why don't you read that from Arnold Schwarzenegger? There. Anybody who doesn't know who Arnold is has just been living under a rock. So go for it. Strength does not come from winning. Your struggle develops your strength. When you go through hardships and decide not to surrender, that is strength. So this is kind of what Jen was talking resilience. about, the losing. Yeah, yeah resilience. And then yeah. the strength part is what kind of caught me because we're talking about that with Javi is, is working out, you know, training, becoming stronger, and, and, and just everything that comes with that. So uh, maybe Javi, just give us, just to start out, maybe your philosophy on that training piece for let's let's just stay volleyball specific mm -hmm. for now since you know they tend to be our athletes but there's moms and dads out there who probably have multi-sport athletes in their house but let's start with volleyball kind of philosophy on what that training looks like how how often intensity yeah. where I mean, does it start yeah like what, what age yeah what do you think of, i mean let's just kind of your own philosophy on that so one of the, I would say the underpinning or overarching themes for me and us at Ignite is we try to adopt an athlete-centered approach versus a coach-centered approach. And so what that essentially means is that you're basically trying to include the athlete in the process. You're trying to understand where they're coming from and understanding the dynamics of their sport. And I think that is something that is really misunderstood or not really applied in most training settings we tend to silo off and be like i'm the strength coach i got my athlete strong but if you got your athlete strong and they sucked on the court because you overdid yeah. it then what were you doing right and so in general what we try to do is to have an athlete-centered approach and then also train our athletes to succeed where it matters the most mm -hmm. i don't really care if someone has a 300 pound squat but if they suck at volleyball then why are we What's doing this yeah and so we try to train in a way that complements what you guys are doing. So at the end of the day, that's why they're training. And I think once we understand that, that kind of filters our decisions, and then we get to all the other stuff um, from that. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, I've, I've actually experienced that in my own house because you've trained both both my kids, Lily and Garrick, um, and uh, we've been going to Aspire every morning and, and working out in the in the facility there and. Um, there's, there's been something, and I just basically kind of let Garrick design it and we're like, Hey, so gee, where'd you come up with this? Well, this is what Javi taught me when I was training at Ignite. It was great. So, I mean, you've definitely, you're definitely training these athletes to think for themselves, for themselves to think like volleyball players when they enter the weight room, not just to walk over to the squat rack and put on, you know, heavy weight and just start squatting. It's, it's really cool to see. And they, and, and I have seen a pretty dramatic difference in my own kids and their just the, the way they move on the court their physicality super awesome to watch them after they got some time with you the hard part i think for for me anyways especially growing up was when i when i was a teenager working out was different right and, mm -hmm. and you guys probably remember this changed dramatically over the last what five ten years just the the, the thought process that goes into what these workouts might look like you know, when I was a kid, I wanted to, part of me wanted to play football, and I was skinny. My dad's like, well, you're not going to play football if you don't lift weights. So we had these weights in the garage. You'd go out there, and it's 110 degrees outside. My dad's trying to make me throw these weights around. I was miserable. I hated it. So my first introduction to weight training was this miserable time with my dad in the, in the garage. And, and it, it, never, it never sunk in, right? And then even in, in high school, we would go to the weight room, but... It wasn't really a program set up, and we're just kind of all dinking around in there. So I, I never got the training, I think, that is so necessary for kids these days to become 
the great athletes that they are. Um, and I think that that's the biggest the biggest key is to get kids to to kind of buy into what you're doing. So maybe talk about that. How how do you teaching these you know volleyball players? What kinds of stuff do you do that really helps them to understand that this is going to be huge for me? I think that's a huge part the buy in and you know my own experience. I had I've had four knee surgeries. I've torn my ACL. I've torn my right meniscus three times. So I understand you know kind of that old style of training. Like we didn't stretch. We didn't really warm up. We didn't do things that were necessarily. <laughs> we're ready to go. Uh, we're ready to they go. said Pistol Pete Maravich never warmed up ever. Lace them up, baby. Yep. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, Pistol Pete Maravich didn't play video games. He yeah. probably was. He probably was working in in in, in the on a farm. Yeah. Fields. <laughs> you know what I mean? So so there's that. that. Was his warm up his whole life. <laughs> yeah. But and that's where like even where the philosophy you know goes beyond the weight room. You have to understand like what are these kids doing outside of here? Okay. Like for example, we tested recently. Um, uh, you know, just vertical, broad jump. We you know we do that fairly, fairly often, and the numbers were down, and we're like, oh yeah, it's finals week. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you, you know, that has to be considered when you're programming, um, or we do a readiness questionnaire where the athletes will basically will figure out where they're at that day if they're feeling how like. Do you, how do you rate that? What is it? So like on a, like a number scale, like in the medical field, or is it like <laughs> we we use a we use a a, um, a training platform called Train Heroic, and they have one built in. But you can do it's basically what your sleep you rate your sleep your mood. Uh, your level of soreness. Um, I'm going to miss the other two. Sleep, mood, level of soreness. I'm low on e- all of those at all times. <laughs> Energy. <laughs> hence why you're a coach. Yeah, yeah. Hence why yeah. You know, I, I'm shaped the way I am. <laughs> and then it, it, it gives you a score. And then Are they the, honest? The kid's pretty honest when it comes I to mean, that. You have to talk to them about that, It's obviously right? self-reported. Um, and there's only so much you can do. If they're not compliant, they're not compliant. Yeah. But but you can that's kind of... That's on them, right? That's, that's part on of the them. buy-in. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. And you can look at their body language. Like, yeah. I can watch kids, if they're talking, if they're doing their stretches or, or whatever they're doing to warm up, and they're talking and engage, it's probably going to be a good session. Yeah. If they're in their feelings, if they're sad, it's going to be... Those dang hormones. <laughs> yeah, it's just going to be a bad session. And and as far as the buy-in, I think a lot of it is giving them... Like, I think every, every human wants some autonomy. Yeah. Uh, you guys didn't say, Javi, come on the podcast now. I right. might be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But you <laughs> guys, hey, would you learn to go? Absolutely. Um, so providing that autonomy to a degree. I'm not I'm yeah. not saying that we don't work hard. We don't there's times when you have to like, you know, get after it. I'm not saying that they get to do and run amok at the gym, but what I am saying is that how are you feeling today? Do you want to do a squat or do you want to do a hex bar deadlift? Doesn't matter to me what they do, to be honest with you. And they might choose something because they they're feeling more gravitated towards that and that's totally well, fine here the deal they're they're gonna do it better exactly because it because you empowered them you empowered them yeah. exactly that's exactly so we like to say we put our athlete in the driver's seat yeah um because at the end of the day we're not going to be on the court with them you know I, I love that because then they they turn into lifelong worker outers 100 percent. you know problem solvers yeah no? worker outers so <laughs> that's a great word yeah, sure uh your shout out to Ty Baumgarth. He's an Ignite athlete. Ty's plays a beast. at Perry and Aspires, a big, big middle for us. Um, and he's mentioned that to me a few times. Where he's like, "I love to go to Ignite because I get, I get to to pick. I get to choose. Like today, I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do that." And he's one of those that has learned. He's an animal in the weight room. Yeah, I mean, talk about a kid that has had the benefits of of working out, the benefits of training. You know, as a seventh and eighth grader, resilient. he was he was super resilient. He was a terrible athlete as a yep. seventh and eighth grader, couldn't make a team, and now now he's a he's a great. He's one of the best middle blockers in the states on like the national training pipe, pipeline, pipeline for his, for his age. He's yeah. tremendous. Changed his body. 
I think he's through touching over 11.2 now. Or yeah. 11, 11, 2. Like yeah. he's it's incredible, improved man. his vertical by like six, seven inches. Yeah. Well, it's uh, it's hard work, but it's buy-in. And then, and like you said, I mean, you, you gave him the tools and then he was the one that, that really ran with it. And I think that's that's created a, a hardworking kid. It's it's easy to it's easy to have somebody yelling at you all the time to do something work hard work hard work hard but the minute they're not there is when you just kind of you know let it go and I love that that's what you guys do yeah and I think another thing that that we do is trying to get them to understand that those two hours I see you in the gym I think there's what 168 hours in a week or something what are you doing the other 166 you know are you doing the right thing in the kitchen are you taking your butt to sleep at night are you getting off a of TikTok these are things that we try to implement by lead by example, but also, you know, talk to them about it and not talk to them in a way that is, because they don't want to be nagged at, man. They, they, you know, like they, their teachers nag at them. And you lose them. And you lose them. Yeah. yeah. You know, the parents nag at them. So we want to try to bring them in to help them understand that, hey, you know, this is going to make you a better athlete. You told me in our evaluation you wanted to play D1 volleyball, right? Okay. Well, if that's the case, then why aren't you taking this seriously? Why are you not eating what you're supposed to be eating why are you not drinking half of your body weight in ounces in water you told me this but your actions are not lining towards your goal because i can't drink that much my body weight's too high <laughs> that's <laughs> that's a problem then i'll be peeing every 30 yeah, minutes you will not sleep <laughs> uh okay so um let's get into some specifics maybe and i know this might be kind of a hard question because we just talked about how you like to tailor to each athlete and stuff. What are some volleyball specific things that maybe kids can do on their own if they can't get to the gym? Or what are some of your favorite things to do with the volleyball players that just kind of, you can tell, goes a long way in developing the, that, that volleyball athlete? So whenever we're talking about like a volleyball athlete specifically, we have to, for us, we consider the length of the season, right? It's the longest, it's an incredibly long season if you include club and all that stuff once they get to high school. So long. It's very long. <laughs> you also have to consider, you know, what position you're playing. And so where this goes back to, everybody wants to increase their vertical, right? Yeah. But everybody here, no one says, coach, I'm, I want to jump less. I'm, yeah, I want to jump less. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm touching. I'm jumping too high. I'm good. <laughs> I'm jumping I'm good. way too high. <laughs> I'm good, right? But we have to consider how much they're jumping in practice in the game and when, what time of year that we're training them. So if you have a little bit of an off-season window, sure, get after it. You know, do all your, your plyometrics you want to do, um, and I'll get into specifics later, all your jump training, all that. But if you're jumping already, why would we do four sets of 15 on a, a, a dip jump or a box, box jump when you're not going to perform as well in your sport? So for anybody thinking about what to do, a lot of it is going to come down to when they're doing it, what time of se uh, season they're in. Um, as far as specific things... When you're younger, the younger athletes, you generally need to develop a foundational base. And so a lot of the stuff that you'll see people doing is what we call like specific strength. We don't need specific strength when we're 12, 13, 14, 16 years old, necessarily. We need to get a great foundation. So exercises like your squats, lunges, any type of isometric where you're holding something in position is a great way if you don't have weights at home. Um, you know, any type of single leg exercises, you know, a lot of times... When people go to the gym and they're working on something, it's everything's double leg, double leg squat, double leg deadlift, you know, um, but you have to incorporate some single leg exercises as well. Would a lunge be considered single leg? That'd Real be more question. like a single leg, yeah. Okay. Like a single leg exercise, a Bulgarian split squat. Those are great. Those are hard. Yeah. Um, a Bulgarian split squat would be good. All you know. of this is hard. <laughs> yeah. It's all hard. <laughs> yeah. So any of those would be great. Um, another consideration would be to 
add multiple planes of motion to those lunges. So if you're just doing a lunge at home, you know, do a lateral lunge, do a rotational lunge because sports, we're not robots. We don't right. only go forward and then do a 90 degree turn and then do another. No, we move in multiple planes of motion. So that's something that, that I think is, is missing from most people's programs at home. The movement stuff you do with our athletes is so cool. Well, I love, you, yeah, yeah it, the, with the PVC pipe. Can you talk about that for people? I just, I love. I, I don't know how are you're going to. I love it watching the, the podcast. I but. love watching the ignite Instagram videos when it's different ways to warm up and they're like kids like chasing each yeah, other yeah. and stuff. It's incredible because that's well, it's organic. It's read react. It's very very sports. It's similar to what they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, and part of it we do a lot of it in the warm up as well because the reality is, I mean, we've all go to the warm up and run autopilot. Yeah, right. We're not perceptive to anything. We just kind of throw it on and just, and just go through it. And so we do it as a way to also get them engaged, to have fun, but also they get to those ranges of motion. And that's another thing with, with volleyball. There are some weird positions that volleyball players oh, yeah. are in. Big time. Weird positions. Like if you're a libero, like you forget, do some weird stuff. You do yeah. some weird stuff. Your knee is going well <laughs> over your toes. You're, 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 you're going every which way you can imagine. And so we try to warm them up in a way that's a little bit more like what they're going to do in their sport. So even if they just were with us and they just did the warm-up, would they get a little bit of a benefit? And I, my contention is yes, they would. If they did nothing else, hypothetically, would they get benefit to help them on the court? And I think they would. And so with the PVC one you're talking about, it's basically just partnered up and then you can change it how you'd want. So we usually, you know, we can have it where they're facing their, their opponent with their feet staggered and someone slowly moves the PVC pipe, you're evading the PVC pipe. You basically, you're doing stuff that with yeah. your thoracic spine. Thoracic is, spine, is, yeah. your knees, your it's ankles, your work, hips. Nice. Yeah, that is nice. my major. I, I'm just giving you a hard time. I was <laughs> impressed. teacher. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Muchas gracias. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so as, we, as we're doing that, we're getting them experiencing the, those ranges of motion in a more a live way than if they were to just do okay do 10 squats okay yeah right. you know what i mean yeah. and so and so that's what the our minute you say is. do 10 squats the kid's like oh man what, what am i gonna be i'm gonna do this eight. stuff right like yeah and then <laughs> yeah. they end up doing a what they end up doing is looking over the person next to them okay I'm done. Yeah, they're done you know I'm done. Yeah. done when they're done uh well i love that stuff i think uh, i mean i there are so many different ways to do it right um and for each person is probably different, right? You do have some of those athletes that just want to get in there and throw all the weight on there and just that's gonna be your football push thing, stuff right? around, right? But is it hard to? I'm sure the sport that the athlete is involved with is going to determine how open their mind is to the stuff that you're doing. Correct? Is like that because a, a football coach like is always just yelling co- at them yeah, to lift yeah, weight, right? heavy weights? So football you probably have up. some cultural stuff that you're battling against when you get your football guys in there, But they right? get some of that at your gym too, right? They get whatever oh, they, yeah. what we, they're looking for. We, we, we do get after it, and we, we know that, like, honestly, the way to bring them in a lot of the times is bigger, faster, stronger. But we know that bigger, faster, stronger does not mean you're a better football player. If you look at the combine, it's been studied. There is zero correlation with combine performance and length of career. Tom Brady. The, yeah. the, the correlation. You ask him the, the, yeah. the life. <laughs> yeah, right? Ran a five, whatever he ran. The correlation actually goes down to draft position. So essentially, the resources that the team spent on you. If yeah. you're a first-round pick, right. you're going to get that second contract most likely. If you're not, you're not. It's basically an investment, right? Yeah. Um, and so football coaches tend to be probably, I would say, the most difficult because you know they've lifted, so they know just enough to be dangerous. Mm-hmm. Or they knew what was good in the 80s. 
or they knew oh, it yeah, was. That's the that's the, <laughs> the one to try to eliminate, right? Yeah, these old school guys who are like, yeah, you could never have played in the eighties. <laughs> they're all their all their weights were rusted back then, and it's just like crazy stuff. Yeah, I, it's the thing, and like I said, things have changed over the last five to ten years. People have really started to think their way through some of those workouts and 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 how to get your athletes to the right spot. I remember in high school, I, I, one of my close friends was a wrestler. And, you know, we used to just have these arguments about who was a better athlete or this or that or whatever. And he was like, how much you bench? I'm like, dude, I, I don't. And I, listen, I was skinny. I mean, you could see, right? That kid back there was not bench pressing a lot of weight. So I would always lose that argument. But then I'd be like, okay, let's step on the basketball court and let's see what you can do. And, and you know, that was where you could, you could see the difference in athlete. But not, and I never wanted to take away from what he did because he was a great wrestler. And but his training was different. So I think that's the biggest key is making sure you find what's working for each individual athlete, and and that's what you guys do such a good job with. I appreciate that. You know, one thing I do want to say is that strength is specific. Right? It's it's specific to whatever the task you're trying to do, and so you know you might have been stronger than him in certain areas. But on a bench that's fixed, where he's pushing, yeah, and it's you. it's so linear. Oh yeah, it's it's yeah. yeah. He was he was he was you know five, yeah, short nine. arms. Short oh, he's got to only push the bar like yeah. three inches. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> let's go. Uh, yeah, de- definitely would have pinned me on the on the wrestling mat. But uh, yeah, everybody's different, and so that's the part that that is that I think is really important, especially when you're looking to get buy in, especially when you're looking to get the most out of your time in, in the workout room, right. Is making sure you're specific to your sport. Um, what, uh, so I know you're a little biased because you do a great job. You guys do a great job promoting your ignite athletes. So I know you're going to be a little biased on this. So maybe, um, we'll see if you can kind of see the two sides of this. Can you tell when you go to a volleyball tournament, can you tell the difference between athletes on the court who are training specifically with the volleyball stuff and who, and those who aren't? I, I definitely think you can, um, you know, you can see it in, in coordination, you know, you can just see the athletes who are a little bit more coordinated in their movements. Um, you can see it in athletes who are a little bit more powerful. Sometimes it doesn't mean you, you have to be training to, to be powerful, um, or to jump high necessarily, but I think, I think you can see it. And, and obviously I am biased looking at it through. Well, you see your Ignite athletes out there and you're going, yeah, that kid's got a leg up. Yeah, I'm like, okay, this kid's pretty explosive. This, this, this athlete is a good mover. Like, look who's like a really good mover on the court. Uh, and then, I'm like, okay, they probably had some good quality training. Um, but again, it doesn't mean like you have to, but the other thing too about training is we look at training as like a performance you know, um, booster, which, which it is, but it's also keeps you healthy. Right. If your strength training also keeps athletes healthy, and it's that's main, one of the, it's a maintainer. Yeah, it's a maintainer. Yeah. And so with volleyball, that's one of the things that we discuss with our athletes. It's like, okay, if we can keep you healthier longer and you can just keep making these small incremental improvements, then we've made you a better athlete. And that's a big part of strength training and developing resiliency that yeah. a lot of people don't talk well, about. Well, what's the old, the old saying? The best ability is availability. Yeah. Right. You got to be out there like on the court. That. That you never heard been, that? Uh-uh. Well, now you have. All right, my last question for me, and Will, maybe if you have some, we can jump I, in. I think I do, but I think okay. you're going to ask. It okay, so well, last question out. for me is is the mental side of things. Talk, Buzzword, may, mental health. Maybe you can talk about you know, the difference you see in athletes who work out mentally, or, or maybe just the ones that you work with, right? What are some of those mental benefits that you see in those? I mean, do you see them being tougher athletes, more resilient, just, I mean, just in general? 
I think one of the biggest things is confidence. Um, athletes, you can see it right when you know we do our evaluation. The athlete that walks through the door that's just not not confident. Yeah, exactly, just like that. And, and slouching you, for slouch, those who can't see YouTube, the video. Yeah, that's for YouTube <laughs> yeah. only. Yeah. yeah, slouching, you know, head down. And right. I think no eye contact. Timid. Yeah, mm -hmm. timid. Exactly. And so that's one of the biggest things. You see that they're through kind of developing and empowering them. They are more confident. Um, you see that when they are in situations that suck, they don't just quit and fold. Yeah. Uh, and and we do but like we'll do uh, finishers at the end, and a lot of times it's like a lunge iso hold. That's one of our favorites. So like a lunge iso hold, and there's and you can hold it two minutes. You Ger can hold it. Garrigan Lily were doing those the other day, and I did not participate. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice job, guys. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, and it's like a part of that is like how much how much can you endure? You know, yeah. are you going to be sore from that? I don't think so. But it's going to be like one of those things. How much can you endure? How much can you hold your position? Did your posture change? So those can are the two you, biggest things. Can you think of a specific athlete? I'm going to put you on the spot here. Can you maybe think of a specific athlete that you saw at the beginning that maybe was that hunched over, slouched, kind of timid athlete that as they trained with you turned into you know that confident, really strong kid? Yeah, I mean, one of them that comes to mind is is, is Johnny. Honestly, Johnny Rolls. Awesome. Yeah, I think, I mean, he was 15 or 16. Yeah. And I just thought he was kind of goofy. Yeah, he know, was. Kind of uh, Freshman Johnny gangly, was really goofy, yeah. You know, um, and by the end of it, I mean, he's just a, like, I'm proud of him for being just a good kid. He's a good dude. Yes, he is. He's like a, a guy that, you know, I actually hooked him up with um, one of my clients, one of our athletes' dads, who's in, uh, try to get him an internship. Like, this is the type of relationship yeah. that, like, I value, because it goes beyond just you know, volleyball or, or training, but he's, he's a kid who's like just articulate young man. And we've been able to connect on a level that's different than just, right. You know, how much did you do today? Um, just him as a person. So he's that's one. That's how he is though. That's how For he is. Everyone. His, I, I mean, yeah. it, like it, it's, that's just, he's yeah. special. Well, and watching Johnny's maturation in, through high school was pretty special. And a lot of that has to do with this is training. He was around good adults. He was, he was around a lot of good adults and his parents are good too. Parents are great people. Yeah, there, there, there's several like that, but he just comes to mind. Ty comes to mind for Ta me. Ty, I'm going to so. take that one. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, we appreciate you being with us today, Javi. That's some incredible information. And um, is there anything? Is there anything you'd like to add? Yeah, anything good, we good missed? Point. Yeah, yeah. Like we're not great I'm, at the interviewing part. Well, no, I think we're okay <laughs> at it. I think we're okay at it. What do you think? You guys are good. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah it's it. fun. Yeah, he's going to tell you right now. Will yeah. you sucked at this? Hey, <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah. Anything? I, anything I believe in in movement patterns. In sport, is that something that is in the world of training as much as it is in the world of coaching? That's a good question. Does that make sense? Yeah, I th I think for those patterns to be developed, it I it ideally is in with within the context of what they're going to be experiencing. So probably it's in both, but I would say you guys have a big hand in that because if an athlete is going, to, when we're talking about pattern, are we talking about like how they're moving, how they're moving on the court? Is that what you're referring to? Correct. So if, if it's like, let's say, a middle blocker and you want them to, to move us within a, a certain way to go to go a block, block a, block a hitter, it's really difficult for them to do that without seeing where the ball is going. Correct. And, and so if you develop a pattern in isolation, it may not transfer to what you think is going to happen in the game. It's like, how do we get from because like what determines when that middle blocker goes? Is it a coach clapping his hand or is it the setter passing the ball? Are they reading the setter's body language? You know, like really good setters are really good at hiding their their body language to the last minute. Like uh, Diana, who was 
um, one of our athletes, she was really good. I watched film with her and I really f- understood it for the first time. Like she would so- show here and then the last minute back set. I was like, wow. So how, when we take that information away, how do we have any idea that that's just going to show up on game day when it's stressful, when they're fatigued, you know, during any other situation? So those are the things that I would say um, as far as like movement patterns. So they can be developed in the gym to a degree. Um, but I think on the court from the, the coaching side, I think transfer is always what we're worried about. Yeah. And, it's and, like, is this is this actually going to do anything in a championship match in the fifth set? And like, yeah, are these block trips actually helping or do they always need stimuli? That's the question. Because you because back to the confidence thing, I think a person gets a lot of their confidence from competency. Right. So if they're really competent and moving right. then they're going to do it more freely in a game. But it's hard sometimes. Got to create know? muscle memory there. Right. So yeah. You can eliminate part of the thinking. Right. I, but I can s- think about where the ball's going, but I don't think have to think about what my my pattern has to be. That becomes natural. Right. You, you want kids to definitely train in a way, in my opinion, in similar conditions than what they will experience in a game. In, in a game. And I think part of the issue, whatever your, people's philosophy is on motor, skill acquisition and motor development, I think you have to at least put some of that information, some of the stress in practice. And whether that's just keeping score, whether that's, um, you know, making them do stuff when they're fatigued. Like basketball, you played basketball. You run, shot free run, throws run, 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 run. and then shoot free throws. Right. You know, or why do we always shoot free throws in practice? I thought about this. We always shot free throws with no one on the, in the lane. That's a different Yeah, having issue. bodies in front of you is yeah. still a different. It is a different issue. And um, it's, like, it's, like, um, it, it's like that with, you know, like a pitching machine, like a pitching machine in baseball. Yeah, it's like really good hitters are not picking up the baseball. They're picking up the kinematics of the elbow and mm-hmm. the wrist. Yeah. And so if that's not there then it's like how it's a do piece we, of the puzzle it's a piece it, yeah. of the puzzle yeah okay you get a, uh you're confident you hit up a hitting machine cool great but you have to have face the thing that you're going to experience and real, real quick so i had a uh, a baseball player that i worked with who was trying out for a minor league team and you know one of the things is he hadn't played college baseball he played college baseball hadn't played in two years right he's 22 23 and so one of the things where he struggled, right, we, I had to go out there and hit ground balls. My hands were like blistered because I hadn't held a baseball bat in, in years. Um, but What a nice guy. Yeah, yeah, like, sure. yeah. yeah my back hurt, you yeah. know. <laughs> I had multiple blisters. It's and, crazy different muscles you don't use sometimes, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. And so he was pretty good on, on the fielding. But what I did not or was not able to, to recreate, and he, he said his arm got shot, is that throw from third to first. Because mm-hmm. there's nothing like throwing from third mm-hmm. to first with anxiety, with pressure, mm-hmm. with someone running down the line. And you gotta you gotta put some mustard on that yeah. thing. And so yeah. instantly his arm's dead. Yeah. And so that was something that, you know, we talked about failure. I wish I could have gave him that mm-hmm. because he got there and that was the one thing. And he made it to the second days of the trial. And I'm not saying that's why he didn't make it, but would have been nice. You never know, right? You yeah. never know. Hmm. It's interesting stuff. We probably could sit here for another This was so much fun. Two, three hours it was awesome. We really appreciate you coming, Javi. We we appreciate your uh, your our, your relationship with us over to Aspire and everything you do for our kids, and uh, we're hoping that's a long, long and fruitful relationship moving forward. So, me too. Uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening. If you've got this far, uh, make sure you follow us on YouTube and 
wherever the gram. you get your I'm gonna Instagram. I'm going to start saying that. Just the gram. On the, on the gram. <laughs> on the gram. Okay. On the line. And we should probably give him a, a, yep. a plug. Where, where would people find Ignite? Yeah. So um, Ignite, IgnitePerformance.net. Uh, also uh, on YouTube. I'm sorry, YouTube. I don't know. You just got YouTube in my brain. Um, on uh, on IG, on Twitter. On, it's on the gram. On the gram. Underscore Ignite Performance underscore. If you just search Ignite Performance, Hopefully we're the only one that pops up. Yeah. If you are listening to this on YouTube, all the links will be in the bio. Links. Appreciate it. We'll throw links in the producer Noah chiming in. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll I'll throw some links in the in the um, audio ones to Apple and Spotify and Google and all that. So uh, again, we appreciate you guys coming, and uh, hopefully we'll see you uh, on our next episode. Peace. That was it. That was awesome.